0: How far away
1: should I drink my beer? (laughs) (laughs) Like this far?
0: (laughs) That's definitely going to be the starter right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You don't want any residual on the mic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just don't spit it on the mic. That's all we're asking. (laughs) Right. Right. I can do that. That's what the guard's for. Welcome to Stand Up, Pedal Action. All right, everybody, welcome to Stand Up, Pedal Action, a podcast all about mountain biking, type 2 fun, and all sorts of adventures around those kind of things. Uh, If you like what you're hearing on this show, please subscribe through your favorite podcast app wherever you found this show. And you can also find us online at supa.bike, that's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. And... We've now got swag. That's right. If you want to support Supa, we've got socks, which is super fun. We're selling them for 15 bucks a pair. We don't have our store up yet online, but if you want a pair and you can't find one of Josh or I, just go ahead and contact us through the website. We've got a uh, contact form in there. Just say, hey, I want some socks and we'll get back with you. With that out of the way, it's time to get on with tonight's show. So Josh, why don't you take it away? with an intro on tonight's guests plural because we've got to
2: oh we sure do yeah exciting exciting night for us here uh so in the studio today we have uh jake and nikki Eisenbrey, correct Eisen-
1: eisenbrae yeah. Eisenbrey, yeah. little german spin on it eisenbrae
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah yeah that's, just, that's
1: just, more German.
2: Ice and Bride. right. We're going to cut all that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Jake, I met you about a year and a half ago uh, on a fateful day on High Drive here in town.
3: It's kind of funny. Yeah, both of you I met through stupid cycling adventures.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right.
3: Everstein with Josh and Jason was along for the morning leg of the Ponderosa ride
0: that's correct yeah. yeah we might have to talk 50, a little bit about
3: that 100 percent single track pretty much i would mm-hmm. say i don't know my math is a little off but
2: <laughs> it's a good time but And now
0: that, should be be worried that your math is a little off because you're an engineer in real life is that well, correct
3: we we go by you know
1: his math is not off <laughs> occasionally. <laughs>
2: yeah, occasionally not just an engineer i mean you are also a mechanical guru you uh you ride bikes at the pro level for Rodeo Pro Lab's gravel team. And uh, you're a recently converted single speeder.
3: I am. Mm-hmm. Falling into the dark side. Yes. I've really enjoyed it. Really yes. Bad. We're
2: going to have to dig into that a little bit too. Yeah. yeah. Also a silly ride enthusiast, which I appreciate. Kindred spirit over here. Yes, definitely. And Nikki, I, I met you through Jake. Yep. And from, from what I've heard, I don't know a ton yet, but I'm excited to delve into this. But uh, you are an occupational therapist. I am. And have gotten more into mountain bike racing.
1: I, yes. Past couple of years I have. Mm-hmm. I'm getting more competitive as the years go on.
2: Yes. Uh, with a recent win at the Pikes Peak Apex. I did. Yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. <laughs> um, and you're also a mother and an adventure enthusiast, it sounds like.
1: I try to be. Yes. The second one. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> the I, first th- one uh, I would say I am. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I was hoping that wasn't like a question
0: about that.
2: <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Yeah. And Thanks for having us. i love to, to dive in a little bit on you know, how you two got to be where you are today. First off, where did you come from and how did you meet?
3: We are from uh, Southern Canada, also known as North Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm from Bismarck, capital city, middle of state. Nikki.
1: And I'm from Williston, which is the northwest corner um, where you would drive to Montana for the good pizza joint.
0: <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Uh, what now? Are we using the word good in air
3: quotes? Like, was it actually good pizza no, or like, just not as bad? Uh, she claims it's good. I haven't had it. I, th-
1: I haven't had it since I've been out of North Dakota, but in North Dakota, it's really good. Okay. Homemade ranch and everything. <laughs>
0: All right then. You know, there's probably somebody out there who is actually telling that's rolling over just hearing the idea of good pizza and homemade ranch together, but we'll let that go because this is not a culinary show. That's not what we do here. (laughs) That's a different show. Yeah, it's a different show. So anyway, North Dakota. Mm -hmm.
2: Yep.
3: Um so I lived in Bismarck pretty much my entire life up to moving here, but I was in the Army Guard. I uh, did a little stint in Washington, D.C. for a short-range air defense mission. And in D.C. is really where I started riding bike. And that's kind of where the story begins. So that was 2013, 2014 I was there. Um, picked up a Salsa via and proceeded to put like 8,000 miles on it in the year I was there. Oof. Oh, uh, my god! <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, so straight into it. There was no warm-up period. It was like, man, I had nothing. All I had to do was work come home, and ride bike. That's all I did.
0: And was that? Is that, was it like, I mean, because people usually jump in for one of two reasons. One, because they find it and they just love it more than life itself. And the other is because they're escaping from something else and it's a place to just go to hide.
3: Well, it may be a little bit. You know, you're away from home. Uh, It was my first, like, lengthy period of time. It was over a year or about a year that we were there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really probably was just an escape. But then being able to see more of your surroundings because i didn't have a vehicle out there but i was able to see everything in the dc metro area northern virginia just by bike it was really cool just to experience that massive landscape um just just by bicycle yeah but i would say that the priming came from a neighbor uh i had while living with my parents uh his name's lance larson um shout out he owns a if bike you're out shop out there lance <laughs> yeah he, he uh he owns a bike shop in bismarck he was the one
0: what's the name of the shop
3: larson's cyclery okay here uh, we go. so some of the early pictures of me riding i was wearing his jersey and, and stuff nice. i was still i'm still kind of connected to the shop but uh he kind of looked at me he's like yeah i was tall skinny lanky kid and he's like you got the perfect cyclist body you you just start riding bike and he helped me build up like my first bike and then i traded my dirt bike for a bike and he kind of got everything rolling. And then when I moved to DC, I bought something on my own. It was a drop bar bike. And I was mm-hmm. really able to push the miles and, and just, you know, enjoy it.
0: Now, here's a question about the DC area, because I've got people up in Maryland, kind mm-hmm. of up in the Columbia area, and not a single person I know out there who spent any time on the road ha- has made it out without a story of either actually being hit or having a really nasty close call.
3: Uh, I ran into the back of a car that was doing an illegal U-turn in, gosh, I forget what part of DC. It'd be like a northeast part. Mm -hmm. Going down a hill, he's turning from like the parking lane on the right side. Doesn't look in the mirror, just 180. I come through and like clip his back bumper as he was, you know, almost complete through the turn. And I stayed upright and I'm sure I gave him a couple of hand gestures that mm-hmm. weren't too appreciated, but, uh, I'm sure
1: you did more than that. Oh, possibly, but uh, <laughs> it's not here nor there. Yeah. No, no one
3: could substantiate those claims. <laughs>
0: but that, that's good news. If yeah, that was your worst call,
3: that was definitely the worst, worst call. Uh, I rode in the snow and ice and crashed plenty of times when I was doing that. But other than that, yeah, yeah. it, uh, I wasn't moving too fast those days. You know, I was really yeah. just building the engine and and just kind of figuring things out. So most of those rides were what like thirteen miles an hour, fourteen miles an hour. It's not like Yeah crushing it, but it's having fun.
2: Right on. And Nikki from the you said the northwest corner mm-hmm, of, yep. of the North Dakota?
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: southern Canada. <laughs> Where'd your story go from there?
1: Wow. Well, I started riding bike as a freshman in high school because you could take a um, two-week, we call it FIED, you call it something different here, PE.
2: Oh, yeah? Oh.
1: PE. All right. So oh, you could okay. take Fayed?
0: a
2: FIED. like Like ed or FIED? No, yeah.
0: FIED. Oh,
2: yeah. I was just gym Is class. This sounding like a...
0: <laughs> <laughs> What yeah. country are you from again? I don't Canada. think it's this one. Yeah, Canada. Mm-hmm. All right. Horse
3: and buggy are actually inappropriate means of transportation <laughs> up there. Okay. Yeah.
1: So you could take a um, two-week summer FIAD course and mm-hmm. get out of PE for the entire year. But each of the days was like a four or five hours worth of PE for two weeks, and in that we had to ride our bikes everywhere. So you'd ride your bike to like the baseball field and do baseball and then you'd ride your bike to the bowling and do bowling and and all this stuff and it sounds great, but as a teenage girl, it really sucked. Um there was this hill you had to ride up. Oh. It's called the landfill hill. It's about the only hill, you know, in town. Is
0: it an actual landfill?
1: I think so.
3: At the top there is a
0: landfill.
1: There's a landfill okay. at the top. Yeah. All, right. all right. Um and uh, as you got conditioned, you know, like eight days into summer PE, mm-hmm. you'd ride up the landfill hill, and mostly it was kids walking their bike up a paved road. Is what <laughs> this was. Okay. And I did that for two years, and then I n- hated biking. I never got on a bike again. I, I, how long was it? Ten years.
3: Until you met me, yeah. Till
1: I pulling. met Jake, I hated biking. That was my only experience with biking. Um, it was terrible. And, wow. then, <laughs> and then I met Jake, and then um, he built this bike that he gave me for Christmas.
0: Okay.
3: I don't know. Something like
0: that. Okay, so now hold on, though. Okay. I could see this going one of two ways. Okay. Thank you so much. I wanted this bike. Hey. Or what are you doing, and why did you give me this? Oh, cool. A bike. Uh, okay. Yeah, let's explain this bike.
3: It's a 50-centimeter surly straggler disc brakes Mm -hmm. glitter dreams purple i pretty much wanted this bike and even (laughs) thought like if it doesn't work out with nikki i may take this thing and just try to make it fit me because it is so cool (laughs) Uh, we built a flat bar with some leftover parts and i'm like here you go and
1: uh so i got a bike for christmas Mm -hmm. okay
3: just what you always wanted just
1: what i always wanted yeah right Mm
0: -hmm. so how how long did it take you to take this wonderful Christmas bike and actually get mm-hmm. from, I'm going to ride this because you got it for me to, wait a minute, I actually
3: like this.
1: I, it didn't happen on that bike. It didn't happen while we were in North mm-hmm. Dakota. So
3: mm-hmm. we were there, mm-hmm. we had met in 2014. Um, I quit my job when you graduated OT with mm-hmm. your master's program and we moved down here in July of 2017. Okay.
1: And I still didn't really like riding my bike at <laughs> you know, that point. <laughs>
3: I would say until that fall. And then we got mm-hmm. you a Kona Mahalo. Mm-hmm. It was a 27.5 hard hardtail, hard mm-hmm. 100 mil, you know, not progressive yeah. geometry, just get her out. And I put like a one by 11 on that thing and you kind of fell in love with it
1: i think there's more to the story okay do do
0: tell yes the story behind the
1: story i almost fell in love with it uh riding with jake he was so dang good and for me not having ridden mountain bike at all or not really even liking my bike it was hard to ride with him at first because he was so good and in his uh man mentality nothing was scary and also you just do it (laughs) like and I would say how Jake how do you do this and he'd say I don't know you just do it (laughs) and it really didn't go over that well for a long time Uh, I cried a lot (laughs) so the the, the Nike
2: approach didn't didn't work work that great (laughs) this is
0: this is amazing because we had Lacey Rivette on the show okay and she literally said guys if you're gonna teach your girl how to bike Mm -hmm. don't make them cry
3: I will say my <laughs> that I don't really remember you crying. I remember you being upset and we have to take, you know, take it down a notch. But I feel like I was very supportive to this entire thing. Uh... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I feel like I did
3: it all right job. Yeah. <laughs> I did not yell at you. You
1: didn't yell at me. I helped you
3: with your bike, so.
1: So fast forward and I found uh, WIMBA, Women's Mountain Biking Association, and mm-hmm. then I fell in love with mountain biking.
3: And
0: what was it that made that different that you can say that now?
1: Um, Number one, I learned how to do it, not just just do it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I learned um, form and technique and it really broke things down in a way that I wasn't able to get from Jake. But now, in hindsight, you did a really good job. Well,
4: thank you. Um, thank
1: you. And then it was also being around other women and me not feeling like I was 20 notches below Jake, that I was with people that could ride about the same level as me.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that is a thing in the outdoor sports. Like, they obviously say that in snowboarding and skiing as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't teach your significant other. Like, just don't try. It doesn't matter. Even if you're a licensed instructor, just don't. Like, let somebody else do it. Yeah. And it often works that way. So,
3: And we've kind of taken that approach with our boy Caden, too, because, like, he gets, you know, a little wrapped around our teaching process that now we've, you know, pushed them towards more social group and kids his own age and, and coaches that can approach us a little differently. And it, it seems like that works really well, too. Yeah, very nice. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about that background. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I, I would be interested to hear, how did you two meet <laughs> Actually, yeah, want, we, we missed. We skipped right past yeah. that.
3: Do you want the story we told our parents? <laughs> or are, do you want Are your story, parents? Are, are they going yeah, to listen to this? Yeah, they're going to be oh, listening. Probably. This oh, okay. will probably hit the socials and they'll probably <laughs> right. listen to
1: this. So for me, it started um on a long <laughs> night studying that ended with lots of wine and booze. Oh, boy. And a Tinder account <laughs>
0: <laughs> that you didn't have at the beginning of the that night? You
1: didn't have at the beginning of the night. All right. So um, that's my side of the story. The next morning, I woke up and had a message from Jake and some guy that spelled what's up, (laughs) W-U-T-Z, up. (laughs) So naturally, I responded to Jake first, and um, within 12 hours, I was kind of embarrassed that I had a Tinder account. And we messaged and started talking, and I deleted my Tinder account. You're joking.
3: No, we are a success is, story. We yeah. should be on the front page of their website or something. Like, that is
0: amazing. <laughs> so like total lifetime duration on Tinder is like...
1: 16 hours. 16 hours. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. And it worked.
1: And it worked.
2: Your accuracy is 100%. Oh,
1: wow. I love that. That's impressive. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right, yeah, so... I will say it was
3: in North Dakota. I mean, you don't really meet people there aren't like massive social groups. You either go to the bar mm-hmm. or you stay home. It was kind of that type mm-hmm. of atmosphere and not knocking that at all, but that's just the way it is. So I worked, Um worked for an industrial contracting company and like, I didn't hit the bars at all. I rode bike. Mm-hmm. So it was really difficult meeting people, but Fortunately for me, I met Nikki, and she met me. Probably more fortunate (laughs) that way. Yeah. uh, All right. So it worked. What's
0: the other story though?
3: Oh, I told my folks that we met at the grocery store, Mm -hmm. the quinoa aisle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do they know the real story? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's amazing. That that went on for quite a while. It
1: went on for a while. The
2: quinoa aisle. I didn't know that was an aisle. It is an aisle. It's
1: probably not in North Dakota.
0: Yeah, it's oh. probably true.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which wow. canned goods aisle I think
0: is more the question? <laughs> yes. Okay, that's that's impressive. Uh, so, <laughs> top tips from Supa uh, just if you're going to teach your special lady how to ride, apparently just say go for it and Tinder works. Like, that's what we got <laughs> so far tonight. I'm yeah, <laughs> <Aaron>. You <yeah.
3: laughs> get that tattooed on my
0: butt. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Man. All right. That. <laughs> well,.
2: <laughs> All right, moving move forward here.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so so what I'm hearing though is that even though you two are both here and now both have a current ongoing passion for cycling, that was not really a part of it getting
3: started. Correct. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And both of us found it later in life too, which mm-hmm. you know, looking back at it, it's, man, I wish I was introduced to this when I was 10 years old. As is mm-hmm. the case for so many of us. Everyone I think yeah. thinks that. Um uh, just because the skills that you foster at such a young age or you that you build at a young age just carry throughout. And I feel like I'm, you know, seven, eight years into this now. It's like, wow, my skills have improved so much. Like, where would I be if I were to start this 10 years yeah. earlier?
0: So here's a question though, because many people think from the outside or even from the inside, anybody who kind of knows the cycling world realizes how much time it takes, especially if you are racing with anybody else's name on your back. One of the things that people wonder about anybody in the outdoor space is how do you as an individual or as a couple find the time and every layer that you add on gets extra complex of, okay, well, if you're single, you got to figure out the time. If you're married or with somebody, you two have to sort that out. You throw a kid in the mix and all of a sudden there's more. But you two came at this without cycling being that big of a part of the story so how has that journey been going forward as you started to figure out like hey we both want a lot of time on the trail here
3: um fortunately for us we moved to colorado i went back to school Mm -hmm. so i was you know able to find a lot of time during the day uh to get out train do whatever i needed to do and then Nikki could have time and full support later in the day and we've kind of balanced it that way so moving forward, I'm currently on a job hunt. Um, we'll have to change this up a little bit, whether that means I start my day at 4.30 to get out for two hours, or I sit down in the basement on the trainer, which yeah. I'd like to avoid, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> yeah, and still allow Nikki to find her time.
1: So yeah, I go to work. I have to be at work at 7. So I get home from work um, at 3.30 or so, and I eat a snack, and change, and then I usually go ride right after that, and by the time I get home, I have supper made for me, and I can eat and shower, and that's pretty much our evening, really.
0: So how many Mm -hmm. miles a year are you guys each putting on, give or take?
1: I just hit 3,000 on a mountain bike, and I'm pretty proud of that. Oh my gosh, well
0: done. Nicely done.
3: This is primarily mountain bike training, Mm -hmm. which is pretty good. So I don't know what your hours are. You've got to have pretty high hours.
1: 250, 60, 80?
0: That's, yeah, that's a that's yeah, real. That's pretty
3: solid. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'm pushing miles. I mean, I I do it all. You know, cycle cross, road, gravel, right. mountain bike. So right around probably I'll end the year about seventy five hundred, eight thousand miles, but probably pushing six hundred hours. Wow. Um, so that's a lot Goodness. of time for sure.
2: That's and, why you're so much faster. Yeah, very good <laughs> than me now. We know.
0: <laughs> and if I Put the question to you. What would either of you say comes to mind first if you said the things that you have had to sacrifice or put aside to make biking that much of a priority?
1: Uh, socializing. Like you, I mean, I don't prioritize now. Like going to have drinks with coworkers mm-hmm. at Fuzzies after work or something. You know, I have to come home and get my ride in.
3: Yeah. And unfortunately for K Dog. Or boy, mm-hmm. he, uh, we used to take him out all the time mm-hmm. and when we're both training in both under structure. It's super hard to get him out and ride at a kid's pace. So over the last season, it's just, you know, he's probably taken, um, what's the word? I don't know. He, It's affected him more as far as, you know, going forward in, in riding bikes. So I feel kind of, I feel bad about that, but we're, we're making a point this fall and off season to really get him back into it and then maybe get him you know, with a a regular group um, mm-hmm. that he can go ride with them, so that's that's one thing. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> I had a pretty flexible schedule, so I was able to kind of, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. keep it going all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have a lot of nine to fivers on this show so far. Not a lot of that. Oh, <laughs> well, just because like yeah. the cycling world often it ends up being people with very flexible schedules, and so. that's
3: why like what Nikki has done just in the last two years that you have really taken this seriously is is pretty crazy. Working that job uh, and then coming home and being diligent with training and doing 10 12 hours a week pretty awesome it's quite a bit so it's, it's pretty much every day
1: yeah six days a week
3: Wow mm.
1: and you know the off day is usually a strength training early in the season but then I guess later in the season it's a legit off mm-hmm. day
2: mm-hmm. you you work in occupational therapy I do and I'd love to hear how your perspective in schooling mm-hmm. from that realm has contributed to the cycling world. I guess to mm-hmm. start, how would you describe occupational therapy?
1: Oh, great question.
2: Because I think there's a lot of misnomers out here.
1: That is a very good question. So um, I work in a rehab unit. Um, my, spe- my unit specializes in neuro and multi trauma. So, in order to come to the unit, they have to have a stroke or a brain injury or a spinal cord injury or have been in some terrible accident. Um, I get a lot of cyclists. I get a lot of car crashes, um things like that. So, my job is to help these people learn how to do their day-to-day stuff, um like get dressed and take a shower and cook breakfast and do their laundry. So, my job is really the functional stuff and how to figure out what their limitations are now and then how they can go home and do all these things again. As far as cycling, man, I feel like My job is so heavy and it takes so much of me while I'm there that I really cycle and mountain bike to not think about any of that.
4: Mm, And that's
1: kind of the reason I don't love um, gravel biking or road biking because it makes me just sit in my head and think more. And I'd rather be on a techie trail, not allowing me to think about work or anything else. In the zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is that... Like, has that changed or made you think anything, any about the kind of riding that you do dealing with some of these patients who were cyclists and had something go wrong?
1: I think I can say this. I'm going to say this. Most of them are roadies.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So,
1: I mean, it makes me feel like I'm in control of my bike and I know what I can do on my mountain bike. And I feel better with me being in control than me being at somebody else's mercy who's in a car.
0: And that is exactly the reason I bought a gravel bike this mm-hmm. year because I've been looking to put in more miles. I don't want to be on the road.
3: Yeah, yeah, cars think, are scary. I can attest for sure.
0: Yeah, and uh, which hint to gravel, and we'll get back to that here in a bit. But
2: <laughs> so from these last couple of years that you've taken things more more seriously in the mountain biking world, uh, what has that transition been like, and where has that motivation come from to go from? just gaining a passion to getting really competitive in racing?
1: Well, good question. So it started with um, the first race I ever did was 50 miles. Um, it's called the Dakota 50, And I was a spectator. You all can't
0: see it, but Jake is actually literally wearing the shirt from that race right now.
1: <laughs> he just had to unzip
0: his jacket so we could all see it.
1: Um so, I was a spectator watching Jake for a few years, and as a spectator, this was the best race in the entire world. And Jake told me that if I raced the Dakota 5.0 next year, he would buy me a full suspension mountain bike.
4: Oh. So... <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> I decided I was going to race the Dakota 5.0 next year. Mm-hmm. And um, I raced it as my first race ever, ever, ever. Nice. And um, I... Got off my bike and threw my bike on the ground and quit probably eight times in 50 miles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Were those evenly spaced or did you put it all at the end? I would
1: say mostly in the first 26 miles. Oh. Oh. That's where all the climbing comes. (laughs) (laughs) Like a legit, like, uh, throw my bike on the ground and then I pouted for a little bit and then I just thought, well, shit, I better get on my stupid bike again. Um... So that was my first race. And I have a theme here. Again, I really didn't Mm -hmm. like riding my bike after that. (laughs) Um, But then after that, I met Nick, who is our trainer. And Nick said he could train me and make um, the race not so miserable next year. So that was my goal, was just to train and see if the race would be less miserable. And that's what I did. Um, So that's why I started training, and then I started entering a couple more races. Um, And then my first year racing, I really held back on all of my races just because I didn't want to get off my bike and quit and cry again. Yeah. Um, And then it was 2020, and the Dakota 5.0 didn't happen. Mm. And then it was this year. So this was actually my first year back at the Dakota 5.0 without crying. And? And I second, second in my age group. No no tears? All right. My only goal going in was not to cry. And I did it.
0: And you podiumed. Yeah. Without crying. <laughs>
1: I did. That's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. So, I mean, my, I really started with the goal of just wanting to do this dumb race that I'd watched as a spectator.
2: All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So did uh, Nick's word come true then? That, uh, the full didn't suspension
1: bike? Yeah, I Ooh, was like, uh, I got the full suspension mountain bike. You've
3: got mm-hmm. two since then. I've got,
1: I got two. Oh
3: boy. And Upgrades. you know,
1: after training, I was like singing to myself in my head. I was like rapping out loud to myself. Like it was a different game. There was no crying and tears and wanting to quit. It was just singing, I guess. I don't know it was different
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic she actually had a good day
1: i had a good day mm-hmm. all
3: right i love it <laughs> i love it
0: uh and jake for you what took you from just riding a million miles a year around dc to actually racing
3: well i came back to north dakota and got hooked up with uh the good friends of mine now the burley county bicycle cult the bcbc uh mm-hmm. You're throwing out so
1: many shout outs.
3: Oh man, they're going to listen to this and they're going to be just tickled. Uh, <laughs> Ian and and Tyler, and I started riding with those guys, and they were, I don't know, six ten years older than me, uh, mm. but they were really into racing bikes, but they were kind of the counterculture guys. I'd go pound a PBR and then go ride 40 miles, you know? Yeah. Super fun. Um, mm. And they just, you know, pushed me, and we'd go to races together. And I just, I just felt like I was having a lot of fun with that crew. And of course, they you know they they pushed me to to do these different races and and be more competitive because I wanted to beat them. And uh, moving to Colorado in 2017 really elevated the game. I got met up I met up with uh, John Harp, who runs our our gravel team. He's a you know, old wise guy, super strong, and he kind of mentored me for through a couple years. And then meeting Nick and I've been on his program for the last two seasons and, and just going through a regimented training has really just, you know, brought it to a whole new level.
0: Right on. And what was, was there something about the actual competition that made you say, cause the reason I'm asking is, you know, some people would say, all right, I had a race. It was fun. No big deal. Like I'll go race one or two a year, but to step up to the point where you're like, all right, I am on the team and now I'm racing for real, there's usually a larger commitment involved.
3: Well, I started seeing results. That was the thing. Uh, I think my first race back after moving back from D.C. back to North Dakota was the Montahay 100, Um, so 100 miles in the Montahay Trail. Everyone thinks North Dakota is flat. The western side of the state is what they call the badlands. Mm -hmm. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt really brought a light to this area uh, back in the early 1900s. And, uh, since then, you know, the park service has taken over, but they've built a trail. I don't know how many years ago, probably 30 years ago called the Modahay trail. And it's a brutal course, I man. It's 106 miles and over 10,000 feet. There's probably 10 trees out there. <laughs> <laughs> and the year I did it, it was well over hundred degrees. I've never yeah. cramped <sighs> that way in my life before but I made it and I took like 10th or else I was in the money, man. I was like, I was on cloud nine. And then I roll into the Dakota five Oh, my first year in 2014. And I podiumed the 20 to 29 age group or something like that. So, you know, like those type of just results. Like I wasn't winning overall races, but you're like, Hey, I stand up here, put my arms up. Like, this is pretty Mm -hmm. cool. So that really, you know, I don't know if it built the ego, I don't feel like I have an ego. I don't have anything to prove, but I feel like <laughs> it was just, you know, you just stoke the fire and and I was like, man, maybe I, maybe I have a knack for this. Maybe I can, I can take this further and, and see where it goes. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, where I am now.
2: That is that home race, the Dakota Five O. That's what you keep coming back to. Oh, yes. we go there we every year.
3: It. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. in Spearfish, South Dakota, for those that don't know. Uh, the Black Hills, it's like mini Colorado, but better <laughs> <Mini-core>. <laughs> to be honest all right it's, it's pretty cool if you ever want a destination mountain bike place that isn't um in a contiguous state from colorado mm-hmm. if you want to travel a little bit it's like seven and a half hours away and it's awesome it's dirt so you're in this pikes peaks cree it's just uh it it just it's awesome
0: so super should make an appearance next oh, time yeah. around
3: yes. okay yeah
1: you have to be signed up on april fool's day within the first couple of hours though oh
3: Ooh. no like for 15 minutes yeah. to all be right honest. all right okay well i'll hold you to it yeah all right
1: it's so fun
2: let me know when you're signing up and... april fool's day april all fool's right. day
1: mm-hmm.
2: all right i <laughs> have to make an alarm or something so gravel how did you get to that point point? and um, what what what's the deal with gravel
3: man what is the deal with gravel <laughs> Who knows nowadays, <laughs> man, it's changed faces so many times. Uh, gravel was a thing, like, in the Midwest, in 20, from 20, probably the late 2000s, to when I started riding, so 2013-ish, it was really kind of exploding in that area. Um, it definitely isn't the prestigious level it is now. It was still kind of underground, like, the, that was, it was really it, man. My first gravel race was the Elmanzo 100. In southern Minnesota, dropped into Iowa a little bit, uh, it was it was it was pretty cool because the way to register it, there was no fees, there was no money. you showed up, well actually, you signed you sent the postcard into this address, and they had like a number f- for you waiting. So you send this postcard Whoa. in, and you show up to the race line the day before, and they hand you a, a number, and that's what it was, man, there was no no timing there was no. Uh, there's no corporate sponsors. Lifetime didn't own this event. None of that. It was just really cool. And there was a thousand people showing up for this. It was insane. wow. Uh, and that was back in the day when we didn't have tubeless gravel tires. There's, you're running tube 33C, there's ninety percent of the field didn't have disc brakes. There was just nothing. And this people is, just
0: flatting everywhere all the time.
3: Dude, I I flat the the first three miles into that race. <laughs> I didn't even leave the pavement. <laughs> I had flattened. <laughs> <laughs> I got passed by everyone and and came back. I don't even know what I finished. It was it was more about the day and just you know yeah. riding with that amount of people was insane at the time. And those are the early days of DK too. I mean, DK probably had been going for about or unbound now. It had been mm-hmm. going for about six years, I think, at that point. But still, the gravel game was pretty pretty low-key and wasn't, you know, as as well-known and, and widespread as it is nowadays. And then since then, it's just, wow, it's insane. The bike companies have doubled down on on their offerings, and now we have, like, teams like the one I ride for, and it's just, it's it's pretty cool. But at the same end, like, man, I miss the days when you sent a postcard in to get a race number, mm-hmm. and there weren't no... Two hundred dollar entry fees, and and there weren't world tour riders showing up to this. It was just you yeah. know, a different time. I'm glad I experienced it.
0: So, in like cross country running, there's the you know the joke of like my sport is your sport's punishment. I feel like that's how a lot of mountain bikers feel about gravel. So, what is it about that kind of riding that you enjoy?
3: It's like mountain bike but faster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I I I really like to. You know, single out the super gnarly courses. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, I like to race in bluebird conditions, but you know what? One one great course this year, uh, Ned Gravel. Man, that was a. I didn't do very well, but yeah, it was brutal. That Switzerland trail, both up and down, just on a gravel bike is was pretty was pretty gnarly. And then another one um, out of Sheridan, Wyoming, the Dead Swede. That one too. Wow, that kicked my ass. And like the climb was just. Bacon in the sun at eight in the morning was 95 degrees or something, and oh. we're climbing 4,000 feet in the first 40 miles on a gravel bike, and it's super steep. And then you got to come right back down that road, and it was just gnarly. Like I had blisters on my hands after that one. But like those type of of courses are just like, man, this is this is great. This is getting out there, and you know I'm not gonna, you know, I gotta do this on a road bike, and most people aren't gonna do this. So you know, you just kind of separates yourself from from rest of the pack when you're doing these type of events
2: yeah do you enjoy pain
3: yeah <laughs> 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 it's like a guilty pleasure if you want to admit this because people think you're just you know kind of crazy uh yeah man it, it's it's cool to just see what you can do and then the mental battles that you go through while going there and I'm sure we both went through them when we were ever seen. Like, that was the stupidest challenge, but our season was pretty much, you know, done. So we're like, hey, let's go Everest to, on mountain bikes. I mean, the first ones in Colorado to do it or something on dirt, it was just, we didn't do it fast. And man, <laughs> you saw demons on that one. So yeah, suffering and, and like, just trying to see, you know, that next level of where you can take it is, is really cool.
1: Yeah, I'm the opposite. I train to be comfortable. Yeah.
3: Mm. There'll be... Your day is coming. <laughs> yeah. Your day is coming.
1: <laughs> you train
2: through the pain?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't like pain. I train so that I don't have to have the pain.
2: You no. suffer so you don't well, have to suffer? Is that right?
1: I mean... <laughs> when you put it like that, um... I I don't know. I wouldn't say I like pain. I, so many people say they go out to bike because they want to... Pu- or they like the punishment or something. Mm. And I'd just rather be comfortable.
3: See, I don't know if you've def- defined punishment yet. Yeah, I, don't I know think either. you you've probably been there, but you just don't know it. You know? Was you gotta, it
1: was it crying and quitting at the Dakota 5 It,
3: it <laughs> definitely probably was to, to an extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be. Um, everyone's yeah. a little differently.
0: Well, I guess that's the thing that I think is interesting, because we've had other mountain bikers that we've talked to on the show or just people that I know who have said exactly what you're saying. Like, I train hard. So that race day is fun Mm -hmm. because the mileage is a lot less than you're putting in normally. And the pace might even not be like quite as bad as some of your training rides. And that again is the thing that I think is interesting about gravel because you train hard and it's miserable. And then race day is miserable. At least that's what it looks like from the outside.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no faking it in gravel. That's common, common theme, man. Like you have to show up, you have to have your equipment dialed and you got to be fit. Because there's always someone there and they're always the most unassuming guy on the line. Yeah. You show up and you're like, Man, look at all these ripped guys, his quads are twice the size of mine. And it's the fifty year old guy that, you know, is retired, early retirement, and trains his ass off. And it's like, dang, this is the guy? Okay. Mm -hmm. We're we're (laughs) we're We're gonna test this one. Yeah, for sure. It's on. Um -hmm. and yeah, man, there's it's crazy. It really is how far gravel racing has come and the type of talent that it's attracted
2: it does seem like there's a, a very different dynamic where you you get some of the the pack feel in gravel racing Whereas mountain biking it's kind of just if there's a pack it's it's packed to race to the single track and then it's all about tactically passing
3: it breaks apart yeah and that's going to be course dependent and feel dependent and the type of riders that are there uh i like to race a lot of midwest races or northern plains races i race in south dakota north dakota wyoming um kansas i didn't do any in nebraska this year but it kind of it kind of breaks apart a little bit it's not it's not so so Mm (laughs) packy if you were to describe it that way uh it kind of breaks apart you end up finding yourself with maybe one or two guys where you go to like sbt or um Really, any any gravel race that has a field, probably five hundred plus, yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to have the type of pack dynamics, and it can be really sketchy for sure.
0: Did you race SBT this year?
3: I did. I did black. I did, the, I did the black in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut my tire in the first five miles like one of those. Deals. <laughs> Seeing a pattern. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yeah. Luckily, our tires have come a long way since then. Yeah. But uh, I had, actually had a great day. Once I was you know racing from the back. I got passed by every 100-miler, every 140-miler, and I was racing back like a 20-minute deficit. Um no fault of my own. I I tried to give the neutral support guys like benefit of the doubt, like they could fix my tire for me. They could not. I ended up fixing it myself with some yeah. crap that they gave me and took a lot more time than I thought it was going to. But I was racing at my own pace. I wasn't being dictated by someone else. So I had a great day in 2019 racing that. And then Fast forward to this year, uh, I bumped down to the blue course because I knew I'd be pretty competitive there, mm-hmm. and I was, uh, it, How it, did was you do? It, it was my it was my my race to lose. It really was. It was one of those type of situations. man, I had legs, uh, positioned right, made all the moves, felt like the strongest guy out there. Uh, ended up taking fourth in a kind of a botched sprint with some short course riders that were blocking my entry into the into the finish straight. Yeah. But it is what it is, man. I congratulated the guys that came around me in the in the winter and it was it was just a great day. Just to, you know, prove to yourself that like I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. I can drive this pace. I can I can hang the distance and, and throw down at the end. So Right on. Yeah. Don't wait it doesn't weigh too heavy on me. It's just one of those things. i will come back next year.
2: Yeah, uh, well you've had a few wins since then, I believe. You you won the
0: Dakota five O this year, right?
3: on a single speed let's yes, let's yes. not get confused okay and Ooh. now it's time for us to hit the next
0: niche part of cycling that we're going to talk about in this show Yeah, single speed people who hate their knees
3: no man all right uh, well then it's a common
0: misconception so yes, talk it me is. through it
3: it's making a comeback i'm going to say that right now all right i want mm-hmm. everyone to buy a single speed bike and and get out there because it's it's a cool cool way to you know race something that you've raced a, eight times seven times at that point um so the single speed idea just came from my buddy Tyler Huber he was the reigning champ of the Dakota 50 in the single speed he had raced at single speed every year pretty much I think since he first started going down there and he uh I just like hey I have a dilemma which bike should I ride I got a geared Ibis Tranny 29 or my Ibis Ripley which one should I ride and he's like single speed question mark in our text group and i'm like i'll do it if you do it so we we both show up (laughs) on that weekend with single speed bikes and threw down and him and i had a great day um end up getting the better of them and uh yeah the rest is history it was fun
2: so that's how the single speed began and now you seem hooked it's impression i get
3: (laughs) (laughs) yes i bought a single speed cyclocross bike and have been racing two races a weekend <laughs> <laughs> lucky for me i'm a cat five single speeder or cat five cycle crosser uh just because i haven't done any like usac races at all so I'm, I'm going through the whole usac process on that one but uh yes yeah, so i race the four or five single speed and then i'll go race the open usually with pretty dead legs by <laughs> the end of the day but yeah i have fun man it's it's a great way to just have fun late in the season when you're pretty much tired and overtraining. Um and and still get that thrill of racing and 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 all that. Nikki enjoys me being out of the
1: house too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so is there any chance that we're gonna see you, Nikki, on a single speed?
1: The, the odds are not good. Okay, no. The odds are not good.
0: No. I think she'd be really good on it.
1: I like my cush. Uh lots of gears, lots of cushion mountain bike. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and those don't sound like the words of somebody who ends up winning their age group at the Apex.
1: I was comfortable. Okay. all right. <laughs>
0: comfortable and fast, not mutually exclusive. That's what we're learning here.
1: Yes.
3: No, I'm, yeah, I'm proud of Nikki. She raced smart. Um, and we looked at all her data at the end of the races or each stage and it's like, wow, you were on point every time. And we, we, we kind of consume that stuff, like all the heart rate data and you didn't have a power meter on this bike, but just sticking with those zones and the way you felt at the end of the the race i'll let you tell more but it was it was really cool
1: yeah my i don't technique i guess is what you call it Mm -hmm. uh is go out conservative for about the first half and then whatever you have left in the last half go for it and that's how i raced the apex and it worked every day i'd kind of just chill in zone two zone three be breathing and being able to talk to the people around me and then once i could feel that the finish line was getting closer that's when i would try to give it whatever was left and it worked
0: wow mm-hmm. i mean standing on the podium you can't argue with that yeah. at the end of it so
2: another example of smart tactical riding i still haven't quite figured that one out No,
0: we're, we're getting there <laughs> yeah getting <laughs> closer
2: i did hear a rumor that you recently made a transition to clipless pedals. I'm working Ooh. on it.
1: That is my ah. uh, off-season goal. Okay. Um, and I'm finding body parts are sore that weren't normally sore when I'm riding bike. <laughs> um, Such as? The arches of my feet oh, is the okay. weirdest one that I'm experiencing. Um, my glutes are really sore. My hamstrings will be sore. But the arches of my feet is the weirdest one. All right. Um but yeah, that's my goal this off season is to transition my mountain bike to clipless.
0: And has your hesitation been the one that it is for many people, I don't want to fall over and still be attached to this thing? Yes. All right. Exactly. And have you fallen over and still been attached to the thing? No. There you go. I,
1: my foot finds the ground. I, know. I don't know. It's been okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. People need to not be scared. I rode clipless exclusively from like day one for the first I don't know, 20 years of biking and then have been going the other direction because i'm afraid of the opposite like flats freak me out
1: because really? i'm like how
0: am i going to stay attached to this thing i'm going <laughs> to jump something and the bike is going to go that way and i won't be attached that's how it feels
1: you know i rode the chutes um just with my son so it was very low pace but um with clipless and it is so different jumping and being attached to your bike man it takes a totally different body mechanic to not <laughs> not get bucked <laughs> off of that thing I got a lot of learning.
0: <laughs> as she looks at the gravel rider yeah. who just looks at the floor.
3: <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm moonlight as a mountain biker.
0: <laughs> That's a good question. Are we gonna see in the start line of any mountain bike races anytime soon? Um, Jake or no?
3: I'm are sure. I'm sure
1: when we oh, come uh, up. Uh, the 12 hour in May.
3: Oh yeah, we'll be doing the Royal Gorge again. Okay, yeah. I Did mm-hmm. the 12 hour team?
0: That's right. You guys were there this year.
1: Yeah,
3: that was. A Oh, we had so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of finding like, that's my favorite way to race mountain bikes is teams is a team co-ed team with her. We just have a lot of fun because Mm -hmm. it's, we kind of go in with no pressure it's like, well, we're going to race hard, but we're not going to weigh our performance on the other person. We're just going to show up and like, Hey, this is going to be a fun day. We're going to go race our mountain bikes and don't have to race as much if we were to race 12 hours. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, have fun with it.
0: Yeah. Less crying. No. no
1: crying this year. I don't think I cried. Did I cry this year?
3: No. Why would you have cried this year?
1: <laughs> Did <laughs> you a cry a this year? Jim? year. <laughs> Almost. When I felt <laughs> tired, had to climb up that hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was pretty close.
3: <laughs> no, no crying this year. No, none of that. Tears of joy, maybe. I don't know. Does that count? There you go. There you go. Well,
2: it does seem like cycling takes up a pretty big portion of both your lives. Is there any, like, gaps that you find to really rest or get away? What does that look like for the two of you?
1: Um, Well, our vacations are now bike trips. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah.
1: But we go to Florida every year. Um, My parents and my brother and then us, we rent a beach condo together. Um, And we just chill for a week. And I guess that's really what we look forward to as a reset every year and then that also is a, I come back and that's when i start my training season so it's yeah. a good way to just kind of reset get rest and then hit it
4: all right mm-hmm.
3: yeah it's kind of the same thing but i like to keep it going all year like this year and i could probably count on one hand how many swift rides i did indoors i did almost all my winter training outside in the snow cold dark yeah all year At the beginning of this year.
0: Yeah, if if memory serves, I seem to remember a post on Strava that you put out something like 650 miles last January, 100% of it outdoors.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think I did a month solid before. I don't even know why I rode indoors. Like, I don't even think it was that bad or something. Something just on the bike was down or something. But yeah, I I did exclusively outdoors through all weather. It helps when you have the right stuff. You know, Lake 303 boots, the big pogies, uh, some awesome, awesome headlights, headlamp. Uh, just, it was able, I was able to do it. And was, for those who
0: might actually be interested in that, since winter is coming and it's not too late to grab some new gear, were you like running studded tires for any of that? Or were you just being really careful or? Nope.
3: Mountain bike, two fives, the hardtail, mm-hmm. um, non-axis drivetrain for those, uh, like, you know, are you worried <laughs> about that? I did not run axis or any electronic drivetrain. So straight up 12 speed Eagle and Mm-hmm. Crunched through the snow, only went through one bottom bracket, no wheel bearings. So it was it was probably a pretty good winter. Uh by all standards, I didn't go through a ton of money replacing those things. But yeah, I had a couple thousand miles in before it even started to get warm. So Yeah.
2: Would you say the uh the South Canadian upbringing helped you?
3: Oh, totally. We fat biked all the time. <laughs> However, Our fat bike to beer ratio was a lot higher (laughs) than it is nowadays. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of Operation Brown Water with a a little whiskey mixed in with your water bottle so it can freeze in single digits or below zero. Yeah, that's a little known thing. You probably didn't know any about that. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a a lot of fat biking back in the day. But since moving to Colorado, I think that first year we were here, it's like, why do I have this thing? I sold it.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: then I think the winter following, I wish I had it back because it did <laughs> snow a lot. Yeah. Uh, but since then, man, I I found that you know the the freeze thaw cycle around here doesn't really hang around. I didn't ride hardly any single track. It was mo- mostly like Santa Fe, Greenway, mm-hmm. Sinton Trail, that type of stuff. But I was able to get out and get the base miles in.
2: Yeah. Experience the outdoors. Yes. Let's yes. look it up.
1: I'd rather experience the Netflix and the trainer. <laughs>
0: yeah this is kind of fun we have both approaches here yeah
1: we're different
3: well that being said i do have a smart trainer and i did do the the previous year indoors but man i don't like zwift i don't Mm -hmm. like the virtual riding it's it's just not the same it really isn't it's a great training tool for those that need to utilize it and i feel like i'll probably be utilizing that in the future but if you have the option, man, there's no replacement for riding outside.
2: You, you know, like getting new bits of kit when you level up new socks oh, and yeah, hats sweet and deals And <laughs>
3: virtual bikes, yeah, totally.
1: I hear if your socks say, super, you're cool for outdoor riding too. Oh, yes. <gasps> yeah, that's what you
3: guys to do. <laughs> all right,
0: we need to talk to Swift.
3: Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Swift
0: yep. kit on there. Yep. <laughs> yes. Or you can all just skip Swift, ride outside in our socks there you go yeah all right enough of the blog. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well going a little deeper what
2: do you two feel like this adventure in cycling has taught you if you can pick like a couple couple themes that's brought into perspective
3: um i, I can start yeah go ahead i've learned to be able to support her a lot more uh, when she races other than dakota 5.0 I do not race like a hundred percent goes towards making sure her bike is dialed. She has a nutrition. I'm there for like just emotional support. Uh, I don't need to race. I, I have mm-hmm. 50 other weekends, 51 other weekends I can race uh, if that's the case. So I make sure that she, she has the support and doesn't have to do this solo where I feel like I'm on the other end. Like, Hey, I'm going to go race. Don't worry about me. But I know really, you really mm-hmm. appreciate that. And it makes yep. it a lot easier for you.
2: Got a great photographer on course, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I got some picks. He's great. <laughs> well, mine's going to sound selfish after that. <laughs> um, for me, just this year, I feel like I learned something. Um, the past couple of years, I've been really um, focused on numbers And I would look at my power numbers and my heart rate numbers, and I would not listen to my body at all. I would just say, you're in zone two, and this is what you have to maintain for the entire race. If you hit zone three, okay, maybe, but you're not going here, you're not going here, and I just wouldn't listen to my body. And then I really wouldn't race either. I would just do what I knew the numbers could support. And then this last year, I feel like I really learned how to listen to my body and know when to back it off and when I can give more versus just staring at numbers and knowing what the numbers say I should be able to do.
0: Would either of you have anything that comes to mind of what cycling might've taught you just sort of about life, like any sort of deeper lessons or things that have come to you from all this time on the trail?
3: We have a pretty easy, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, just the whole perspective of like, wow, I'm out here in a $8,000 bike you know, top of the, top of the line, I'm out here pedaling and there's no one trying to hunt me down or no one stopping me at roads. And it's like, wow, this is, this is a pretty cush lifestyle right now. And I don't go home and the fridge is full. Mm-hmm. It, it really just makes you appreciate what you have. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't to go from there. I, I, I just feel like very fortunate to be able to do what we do.
1: This isn't necessarily something I've learned per se, but there's been so many times when I've been, you know, 20 miles away from home in the mountains and you pull a beer and a Pop-Tart out and sit on a rock and just chill, you know, and you don't get to do that anywhere else. Yeah. Your your mind is completely clear and you couldn't have gotten that far hiking and you're by yourself and it's just, you don't get that anywhere else.
2: Those are beautiful moments. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of encounters, or I guess moments out on the bike, yeah. have either of you had any strange encounters while out
3: on rides? She's like 10 times to my one, I swear.
1: Where do I start? Oh, boy. <laughs>
0: All right. <laughs> Everybody buckle up. Here we go.
1: Well, okay. The strangest one was last, um, song, last fall. Uh, it, a friend and I, so it was two females, were riding a Jones Park loop. Um, we were out on old stage road. And we came across a sketchy dude in a white car who pretended to have a heart attack. Maybe he was faking some kind of medical injury. And my radar was going off and I rode past him. And the other girl I was with is so kind. And she stopped to ask what was wrong and if she could help. Um, And he started to get really aggressive. And uh, I was yelling at her, come on, let's go. We're in the middle of nowhere, you know, up on Mm -hmm. old stage road. And he just started coming, stumbling towards her. He was obviously on some sort of drugs. Um, He had his hand behind his back. He was really sketchy. And then out of nowhere, this girl comes um, driving a pickup. She was just by herself and she rolled on the window and said, are you guys okay? And we said, I don't think we're okay. And she said, we'll block the, or she said, I'll block the road. You guys ride on. So she turned her pickup sideways and we rode up uh, Old Stage Road and we jumped over the edge and hid in some trees and we watched for him to pass. And this is where it gets weird, but we didn't see his car pass. So we remember this white car, this dude in a white car. We didn't see a white car pass. Um, and so we figured he turned around and went the other way. And then we heard some dudes riding mountain bike up on the road. So we jumped up with them and we rode with them for a while. And then we got to this parking lot further up, close to where you turn on the single track. And there was that same dude um, in the car, but he was now in like a dark blue black car. Um, also of note, he told us he was running from the cops and that he needed medical help, but he couldn't go into town. So it was just really sketchy. Then he was there in this other parking lot and there was this, another encounter with him. We jumped on single track and rode home, I guess, and called the cops. and. It was really freaky. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: That is Hmm. utterly terrifying. And in some ways, kind of a good story to tell, because I think there's probably a lot of people who, and I mean, as a guy, it's very easy. I don't know how many women think about that sort of thing when you're like, oh, I'm just going in the woods where it's pretty and clean and I'm going to go have my little moment in nature. Yeah. Not always that safe.
1: Not, no, that I, yeah, that was really scary. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: And it sounds like maybe not the only incident like that you have
1: had. Well, that's about the, that's the sketchiest one. Um, and with a person, right?
3: Well, You've been hassled on the road a couple yeah. times, like just unnecessarily. Like, mm-hmm. why do people just need to be that way? Um, West Woodman. I don't know what it is with that road. Yeah.
1: Mm. People don't like me riding on West Woodman. It's
3: apparently not. It's just, it's unfortunate. Like, can you just pass and move on with your day or do you have to hassle this? 120 pound girl while she's riding her bike like I don't know what's up with the people but yeah yeah it is what it is
1: on a different note we had our first bear encounter this summer oh so that yeah. was interesting um it was right before SBT yeah um Jake dropped me off in the middle of nowhere to go ride and he took us on mini golfing um and we agreed to meet back in the parking lot in two hours. And two hours later, I was back in the parking lot, but he used to, you guys still had a couple holes left or something. And so I you just started, Shirley. i, I <laughs> sure I did. Um, so I just started riding up the gravel road, uh, then the direction I knew he was coming. And uh, I probably rode for 20 to 25 minutes. We, I was pretty much in the middle of nowhere. And then I could see Jake coming up and I put my thumb up as like a hitchhiker And then, Jake, what did you do? Like, started swerving down the road.
3: Oh, I sent your Subaru totally sideways down the road. It was pretty cool.
1: (laughs) 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 So whatever he did, he ended up behind me now. So then I had to turn around and ride back to him. And as I was turning around, the hugest bear I've ever seen saunters out like 10 feet in front of me and it was mm. so big and then i start sprinting back to jake and i'm yelling at him bear 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 and he's yelling at me there's a bear behind you
3: and <laughs> <laughs> it was the largest black bear i've ever seen it was
1: so big like, you know the oh ones that gosh. are here in the springs yeah
3: the trash pandas that yeah, uh, yeah just you know hang out on on uh, lower gold camp yeah. yeah yeah this one was twice or three times its size oh i don't know what it eats it but was so it was big. huge it was massive cyclists yeah, yes. Probably. yeah. She, she was prey but it was it was pretty cool to see that out there
1: it was cool because you were there with a the car oh yeah yeah you <laughs> ran into that thing going uphill yeah <laughs> it have have sucked
0: yeah i uh the only place i've ever seen a bear on trail was actually in palmer park no. of all places really yeah north side of palmer park was coming around uh just right above LaZyland there you know and just went looked up yelled to the guys behind me dog not dog, no. not dog, and there was a little tiny yearling bear just like running around in the trees. He took off, but it was kind of a surprise to see a bear in the middle of freaking town. What the heck? That's so yeah, cool! It was awesome.
2: It's An adventurous bear,
0: yeah, that's really he is. He likes Try single trail. He's, <laughs> he's my kind of guy. I mean,
3: come on. Getting lost in single trail, yeah, come uh-huh. on, technical trail, <laughs> a little yeah. Templeton there, yeah, man, he knew what was up. His jam, appreciate yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> well, how
2: about uh, some best day, worst day?
0: Yeah, we do this with everybody that's on the show. What is the best day you can think of on your bike, and what is the worst day that you never want to repeat?
1: Okay, uh, worst day I've already talked about was the very first Dakota 5.0 race. Mm, Um, Fair. Best day was probably the next year I did um, the Grand Traverse,
4: Mm.
1: and that was kind of my redeeming race where I didn't know if I was really going to make it. 50 miles again, if I was going to cry. And that was the day that I was like singing Nicki Minaj out loud. And they're like, <laughs> you know, some Drake came out maybe. For questionable <laughs>
4: music choices. <Yeah. laughs>
1: and I was uh, talking to myself, you know, like, good job, Nicki, you nailed it. And, and Nicki Minaj, you know, her name's Nicki. There's mm. some Nicki yeah, it songs works. Yeah, coming yeah, yeah. out. Um, and I did that for like eight, nine hours. And it was, it was a hard day, but man, it was an awesome day to, to go in, not knowing if I could do it at all. And six, seven, eight hours in, I was still singing Nicki Minaj.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. for the sake of singing Nicki Minaj for that long. Yeah. And that's, that's you awesome. know that yeah. many songs? <laughs> no, wait,
3: no, like I one don't. One it's pretty yeah. much like the same eight words. Oh. Over <laughs> <and over>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So best day, worst day, geez, I've had some interesting days. I don't say I've ever had a bad day on a bike, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I've had some like total horseshit weather conditions and some bad navigation, but I would say those days are still better than most. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do any stand out? Okay, maybe a couple. So my first time ever riding over like a century was a gravel race in Black Hills, South Dakota, of course, mm-hmm. uh, ran by Perry Jewett, who does the, the Dakota five Oh, he's got a series of races that he does. Um, it was the gold rush mother load. So It was 210 miles, about 15, 16,000 feet of vert in Black Hills, South Dakota. Ooh. It was my first time ever riding like over a hundred miles. Of course. So I'm out there and I was actually doing pretty good. Like, man, I was an hour, like 14, I was 30 miles from the finish it's all downhill from there pretty much like 1 2% on pavement and right before I get to that point I navigation at this point so this is 20 no 2016 maybe mm-hmm. um or 20 2015 and I did not have like heads up display garmin I was using the eTrex 30 with some mount that had bought off some Japanese website, like just going through pictures. Like somehow I got this thing and it worked. Okay. So I had that thing and the E-TREX doesn't orient, you know, in direction of travel. So I was following like these breadcrumb tracks and I come up to this T in the road and the left is like downhill and right is a climb. I'm like, oh, it's all downhill from here. Oh no. I descend. This is, it's getting dark. I've already been on the bike for 14 hours, 180 miles. I take a left. And I descended for like two miles. Oh. And I realized like, oh shit, I'm not on the track. Oh no. I get to the bottom and like, oh my gosh, I was so close to a mental break. It was just insane. Like, how did I make that mistake? So I climb out of this hole and I'm just like cussing myself out and I roll into town, but I miss the turn to the start finish. So I end up having to go through town. I go through the start and finish like the wrong way. It was just like... The worst end of this day I could ever have, but I was so happy to be done, and I was just absolutely blown. And since then, I've been back to that race, <laughs> but I've had some bad weather conditions. One at that same race, but the hundred mile version in twenty, it must have been twenty nineteen. It was like thirty two degrees and sleeting. There was standing water on the road before we even got off the pavement onto the gravel. My feet were soaked and freezing. Zero visibility, like face just covered in mud couldn't even see and ended up having a pretty good day that day but like just bad weather conditions really play into you know how you feel and and your and your how you remember that day and yeah but i can say man i i, I don't really have a bad experience i've just had interesting experiences mm-hmm. good days i have lots of those pretty much any time i'm riding the bike and it's even like today, it was a little breezy, but man, I was almost stealing KLMs from Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was on a single speed in my defense. Oh, You're probably yeah. oh. wow. 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 Cuts it deeper. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice. Nice. Well, appreciate you both sharing that. Yeah. Um, before we close out here, um, I would love to ask Nikki.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: For someone who, uh, I guess, similar in your circumstances, trying to not hate cycling, what things would you suggest to like garner a love for it?
1: Number one, join a women's group or ride with women. Learn to ride with, learn how to ride with other women. Um, get a decent bike because it makes things easier and not so scary.
3: I think that was a big thing for Uh you.
1: Um, and gosh, I started to really like it once I got my aerobic base,
4: Mm.
1: which I don't know how I got there. It wasn't that much fun, but once I got there, that's when I could start having fun because I could see more, and I didn't have to worry about oh, I only have twenty more minutes till I know I'm gonna die. I could just you know ride and not think about it. So I think I had to establish that before I could actually Mm. enjoy it.
2: And in, in the springs here, we have Wimba, yeah, which is what you got connected with. It is. What is that community like?
1: It is really cool. Um, you break out into groups based on your skill level, um, and then you go ride something that seems scary, but you have you know ten, twelve other women like spotting you, and then also when you do it, they everybody cheers for you. And so it just fosters like this, number one, you feel okay doing it because there's so many hands sticking up to catch you if you were to miss fall or something, you know. But then when you do it, you feel so dang good. Um, And then you see it the next time and you know that you can ride it because you've already done it. And it that really is how I learned how to ride a lot of techie stuff. I'll still get to stuff and know that I learned to ride it with Wimba and know that I can get over it because I've ridden, a, ridden that trail or that that feature with with Wimba.
2: That's a really cool format. It's cool. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and those are big rides.
1: Big, well, yeah. So I'm now a ride guide. I'm on the race team. Um, what? I think our biggest ride was close to 200 women. Wow. Um, but then you break out into so many so many groups that by the time you actually ride, you're riding with three guides and maybe 10 women. So it, it's not like you're in a 50, 50 person group trying to all fight for the same trail. It's, it's cool. It's a really cool thing.
0: No, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I understand that over the last few years, the Wimba chapter has only gotten bigger and seems set to continue to grow.
1: I think so too. I'm not on the board, but I have friends who are, and that seems like the direction it's going. Um, we had to do a new format this year where, um, uh, the city didn't want all of us, all of the members to be at one park at a time. Mm -hmm. So just this summer, we had to start breaking out into two to three different parks per, per Wimba night, just because it's growing so fast. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. It's cool.
2: What what night is that?
1: Thursday night, you can find the
4: schedule
1: (laughs) online if you want to avoid the trails or not avoid the trails.
0: Unless you're you're in a creeper in a white car. Then don't. Just stay in the mountains. Go away. If you're a single dude. Go get your fake medical help.
1: Yes. What about
0: single dudes?
2: If
1: you're a single dude, um, Thursday night is the time to go ride your bike.
0: I'm going to check that later and find out that the women night is like Tuesday and you were totally
2: lying. (laughs) very nice
0: and jake any plug you've had a couple for shops in north dakota any plug for the team as well that you're riding for
3: well um by everything that we're wearing and riding (laughs) no it 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 was it was awesome i mean this is a second year for that team so Mm -hmm. i feel like everyone all all the contacts and sponsors and everything that have really you know gone all in on this team and just again for those who don't
0: know who might not have been listening at the start, the team is
3: the rodeo labs yeah. <laughs> pro gravel team. I always do that with the air quotes. I'm the least professional out of anyone there, um, <laughs> but I'm probably, you know, the most, I I don't know how to explain it. I feel like everyone can get to the level I'm at. You know, mm. you put enough time mm. into it. It's like these opportunities exist. You just have to make the connections. You have to, you have to be open. You have to go to these rides and um opportunities will present themselves and i feel like my inclusion on the team was was really to kind of elevate that factor of it but um yeah it's just it's been a great experience just riding with the caliber of of teammates that i do have and the things they can do on a bike is pretty is pretty cool um and then of course the support and sponsors that we've had is just it's like wow they everyone said cycling in the united states is dead like when you get these people coming out of the woodwork and they're like, yeah, we, we totally back your vision. We want to support this team. We want to see you guys out there. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we got to do? Like, I feel as though you just need the right person in charge. And I f- you guys should get John Harp in here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and talk to him. I will definitely hook you guys up with his contact because he, <laughs> he'd, right. be, he'd be fun. I'll, I'll just sit in the corner and listen to this conversation. <laughs> when he's here. But I, I he's, he's really provided a direction and a, a vision for the team. Mm-hmm. And then the way he is with sponsors and, and all that, he just, you know, brought it all together. And we've had a lot of fun and it's a lot a really of race cool wins. It's a really cool community, too. Just oh, being yeah.
1: from the outside and your team. And I mean, there's always somebody coming in and out of our garage or our house. And it's just created this really cool community.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unique and, and cool and i don't understand what all the hate is for gravel teams <laughs> <laughs> it's not
0: hate we just don't understand yet
3: <laughs> i don't understand it either but we have a lot of fun
0: <laughs> okay great to hear yeah
2: well it, before we totally close down do you have any any questions to throw by us not, all right so yeah the
3: merch game come on guys we gotta have <laughs> t-shirts <laughs> hats uh, you know stickers three times the size of those come on we <laughs> gotta we gotta do this
0: these things are in the works
3: the works All yeah i want right. yeah. like a timeline when can we expect these things when is your uh... it's over the uh, winter you know oh, okay, okay. Yeah. i've been told that you you
2: cannot rush creativity Oh, genius.
0: Was. It's that you can't rush genius, oh, Josh. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: Our creative director, uh, is his
0: own timeline. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> going, cool. I'm going to my trailer. No, that's a great question. And yes, there is. We're hoping to get some more of that coming as time goes on.
3: So. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Any, uh, cool guests coming up?
0: We've got a couple that we're hoping to get on.
3: Yeah. Well, you don't have to say it. Well, there. you could tell
0: me. Well, one that is, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I got to think when these are going to air because they Mm.
2: that's the thing we're real organized
0: (laughs) yeah yeah super (laughs) organized super organized around here that's That's right i gotta get one of those in every episode but that's a great question and we'll get back to you on that (laughs) as the (laughs) schedule fills
2: (laughs) such as yourselves
0: yeah yes
2: Um, all right so i
1: um did this ride last weekend it was called um denim danger Oh. Um. You wow. had to wear jorts and a button-up shirt to participate. Okay. And you had to carry a beer on your body, and it was a race up Gold Camp. And when you got to the top of Gold Camp, your time didn't stop until you chugged your beer. So. <laughs> the How did I not know about this? <laughs> yeah. Only the cool people learn about races like this. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: Well, <laughs> you have to let Zupa know about this next year.
1: <laughs> so, um, the. Uh, founder of that race insisted we were having type one fun yeah and now you're saying type two fun and i don't know if i know the difference
0: oh well (laughs) for those who are interested in the back catalog of Supa, there's a master class on the types of fun in our initial (laughs) episode for those who don't want to go back and listen type one Mm -hmm. it's fun now okay and it's fun later type two it's not fun now Mm. But later, you think back and you're like, okay, that was pretty cool. That's
1: fun. appropriate for your... Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then it goes from there. Because there's at least type three. Okay. It's not fun now. And it's not fun later. You okay. still don't want to have done it.
2: But we, you're glad you did. Yeah, kind of. Mostly. Yeah, it
0: was worth it. And you get it into
2: four fun. and five and... Beyond. You no, know, those lines get real blurry. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> those are less okay. well-known. Josh and I are trying to push those, but yes, okay. that's principally the difference between type one and type two. Got it. Yeah. So some of us, more Nicky knows. <laughs> some of us like Jake might not know the difference anymore since he no. said he likes pain. So yeah. maybe it's all type one for you.
3: It's, it's all type one, man. I rarely get into type two. We'll have to do, well, we've talked about some, some options to, uh, surpass Everstein and oh, yes. you know, 150 miles, a single track and, and all that. So.
0: Yeah, for a man who has done 150 miles of El Paso County single track in one day, in one go, to turn around and say he's rarely done type 2 fun, that lets you know, ladies and gentlemen, that there are people with different thresholds.
3: <laughs> well, I'll say I did not do 150 miles. I I copped out at 100 oh. rode back here to get my truck because <laughs> a <laughs> kid was out of school at that time, so I I should probably get home. You guys finished out
2: responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Occasionally,
3: occasionally. All right. Well, very
0: nice, Jake, nikki Eisen, Bryce, Hey, thank you both so much for being on the show. It's absolutely been a pleasure to have you.
3: Hey, thanks for thanks having for us. Thanks for having us. If you have any more questions, you know you can reach out to my PR agent, and we'll get this. There we go. Again. <laughs> we'll talk to the team uh, marketing director. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> okay. All right.
0: If you want to know more about stand-up pedal action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.